like the, the amount of detail and the amount of like the quality of the gear over the heavy metal, and it's not really a fair comparison, right? I mean, they're no. totally made from a different era and a different mentality, but it's astounding to actually see a like with all the uh, hand painted office buildings, and just oh, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, on that note. Welcome to the Geeks with Kids podcast, uh, your bi-weekly geeky podcast from a parenting, there, there it is, parenting point of view. <laughs> yeah. I knew one day I'd uh, mess that word up all right. So anyway, uh, I am Steve, one of your hosts, and uh, welcome to the show. Joining me this week is Shaus. Hey, how are you? And Hawk. Hey, guys. And uh, this week's topic is free to play, uh, a very common phrase in uh, gaming and uh, possibly an industry changing concept. Yeah, so free to play. Uh, I'm just going to read the first sentence from the wiki uh, uh, article on this. So free to play, also known as free to start for games that give players access to full content without paying. Now, of course, um, there's many different models and uh, I kind of wanted to start kind of old school um, by saying that uh, back in the day, in the 90s, as we call them, or at least at the end of the 90s, uh, there was a game called uh, Ultima Online. And uh, it was one of the first, um, uh, we'll call it uh, subscription games. So that was one of the major changes uh, from just paying one price for a game, getting the whole thing, and then playing it through and then you were done they created a thing where you would uh, subscribe monthly, um, which nowadays might seem strange, but that was how it went for many years because after that, there was um, uh, RuneScape, there was EverQuest actually, EverQuest was the next one, yeah. uh, EVE Online, which actually predated World of Warcraft, of course, and that's, that's the one that everybody looks to when you talk about subscription services. And World of Warcraft was all the way back in 2004, so it's been a long time yeah. and it's still running now. I mean, I don't know how their subscription model works now. I think they kind of went to a, a free to play or free to try. They're sort of a hybrid model. Yeah. 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 So you can, you can, you can get in there, but if you want ac access to additional content or better servers, I guess that's, that's when they, you can start paying. Um, so uh, I just wanted to open it up. Uh, did any of you guys play any of these uh, early uh, subscription model games? No, not myself. Um, I never really got into PC gaming and that. I was always a console guy in that. So uh, mm -hmm. most of my computers are Macs, which is not the friendliest format for online PC gaming in that, obviously. Sure. Um, so no, but I've always been kind of aware of them. Uh, what would you say was the first game to introduce the concept of the raid uh, to the online community? Ah, uh, you know, that's the thing. I only played Ultima Online and it was practically just you know, Ultima six or seven turned into an online, you know, kind of MMO, you know, so it didn't really have much in the way of group activities. Uh, and because I didn't play EverQuest, I don't want to say it was World of Warcraft because maybe EverQuest introduced it. Yeah. Right. Like I started, I started with World of Warcraft and, right. you know, it, World of Warcraft had, had raids in it, but I, I wouldn't know if it, like, I was thinking EverQuest might, might've been the one that mm -hmm. introduced it first, but I'm sure some of our listeners might know better than us and they're well, yelling at their, <laughs> well, that's the thing. I mean, EverQuest was 1999, and so it was quite a few years ahead of uh, World of Warcraft. So it's very likely it actually did establish a lot of the concepts, um, but I don't want to necessarily give them credit for that. Uh, but yeah, that was the evolution, right? To try to uh, inspire more people to uh, 
continue paying for subscriptions so I could get that raid sorted, right? <laughs> it take weeks to do some of these things. Um, anyway, so I just wanted to just start from there. And in fact, I discovered that one of the first free-to-play games uh, came from South Korea, and it was called Maple Story, uh, which I do vaguely recall. Uh, and in uh, Russia and South Korea, apparently free-to-play became the biggest thing like it it totally yeah uh it totally took over over there first um and it took a little while for it to uh slip over to here and then before long um uh yeah there ended up being uh mobas and uh, there were some failed attempts like command and conquer generals 2 which was a failed uh free-to-play game here uh so anyway i just kind of want to open it up uh what early free-to-play games do you guys remember if if you were looking at something like shareware, like I'm thinking sure. even further back, like I know that doesn't really follow the same model where free to play is That's like a good comparison. Like you could really play free to play all the way through technically without paying any money. And I think that's the yes. idea behind it. But shareware, like back in I remember back in like the early nineties and stuff, you'd get like a floppy disk that would give yep. you like one level of a game. Yes. And then if you liked it, you know, they they're like, Hey, you can unlock the rest of the game. And I think that that, that model still exists, but being able to to get in and, and technically play a game all the way through without paying, um, mm-hmm. sort of is, is sort of different in, in that sense, right? Yeah, but yeah. No, actually, like the, no. Go ahead. So say in terms of the earliest ones that I remember playing, what would probably have to be uh, mobile games because I feel like those were the first ones. Like especially looking at like the App Store mm-hmm. and, and the Google Play Store when when a lot of developers would would put out a game um, with, with the hope that, you know, you would play it enough that you'd want to start putting money into buying upgrades and, and things like that. Like things like angry birds. Right. And, you know, candy like crush. Yeah. Candy crush. Yeah. Like, any type of game where, where you, you get yourself a little bit addicted to it and you want to be able to get over that, uh, what do they call it? A paywall where, where you, you get sort of stuck and you, you, you either pay or you start grind and grind and grind trying to get to the next part. Yeah. Um, and and so for me, like mobile was probably the first place I saw that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was probably my first introduction to the concept and that, that, you know, plowing through these games and that with AdWord that pops up and that and really kind of make, gives you a decision on that, like how much time you're investing in this game uh, that you might want just want to pay that two ninety nine to get rid of all yeah. the ads. Right. Uh, but the really, the true first to free to play that kind of really showed me what the potential of the uh, of the concept was was warframe which steven introduced us to he kept you know right. looking mm-hmm. us to play yeah uh, yeah I'm, i played I'm a little bit and i w- it didn't immediately grab me in that until a little while later in that when i kind of kept uh going on with it and that and it astounded me how much uh of a role-playing game it was how much mm-hmm. there was to pursue and to re- acquire uh and, and it was down to me that there wasn't there was no fee to this i mean i i have mm-hmm. been kind of slavish to the con- whole uh, concept of the console game excuse me um, yeah well like how much production value was behind a game you right. didn't have to pay for yeah mm-hmm. and right. uh, warframe was one was the first one that kind of showed me that a, a high amount of design uh, love even to go into one of these games and that without the you know backing of a huge publisher yeah. Yeah, no, I, I Warframe is sort of the, the big uh, shadowy um, <laughs> free-to-play game in behind this whole episode because, like, uh, a lot of the, I guess, free-to-play experiences I had before that were, were you know, throwaway um, 
app games uh, that I played on the computer because I, I didn't have a device that could actually play most of them. My, my phone is too old even now. And um, so I, I, I thankfully missed out on a lot of that, but I can't even remember the names of some of these games. Like there was like a cowboy one and then there was an Ultima one as well. And, uh, and they were just, uh, yeah, there were just these, these you logged in and you clicked until you couldn't click and then you either oh, pay yeah, money you and had then timers like Farmville and exactly know, stuff, right? and and uh, so because my my computer system is is so so old my only free to play experience beyond that was on the PS4 and um, when I first got my machine there was this free category and I, I installed a lot of those games and uh, they were they weren't really good you know like they were kind of awkward they they looked old and when I realized doing research years later a lot of them were actually uh, PC games that had just been dragged over years later. So, for instance, some other, you know, other ones that are on the PS4 are uh, Star Trek Online, um, yeah, DC uh, Universe Online, which is actually connected to Sony, um, and those games, you know, they, they've got a certain amount of fun and they've put a lot of work into them, but they show their age. My God, you know, like you can't. I don't know. I even as a fan of those. Uh, those settings um they, they're really awkward to play so i was actually quite reluctant to play free-to-play games because i was like well you know if you've got to pay a little bit of money to get a good interface i'm willing to do it but uh but then there was warframe um so if people don't know uh warframe is actually developed by a company called uh, digital extremes who um have developed uh, many other titles uh, i was silly and i didn't have that in front of me so i'm gonna look that up but uh, they are actually out of uh, London, Ontario, and uh, yeah, they started uh, Warframe as a passion project uh, about five years ago. Uh, so, yeah, so they developed, um, uh, here we go, uh, Unreal Tournament, so that's kind of their main pedigree, um, then followed up with Unreal Championship, Unreal Tournament 2003, which I played a lot of and unreal tournament <laughs> to 2004 and uh and dark sector which was kind of like their their first little baby and apparently dark sector if you never played it uh is kind of like the first inklings of warframe because there are aspects of that game as well as designs that were not used that later um found life in uh, warframe so anyway warframe is a, is a game that they made all on their own without a publisher because they decided they they been building up towards this and they've thrown everything into it and i will say um the one downside with the game is because they're always adding stuff to it which is amazing uh is the tutorial system is horrendous uh but once you can get through that yeah it is it is the game that has convinced me that free to play is not only possible but uh but viable because i i actually spend more money on warframe even though it is a free game because I want to support it. Like it's, yeah. it's a game that I, I actually feel I want to put money into. And, um, and just to clarify, you do not need to put money into it, it uh, to, to access uh, everything. Uh, the only things you can access without money are uh, cosmetics. Mm. Um, but anyway, I've been talking a lot. Um, what do you guys uh, uh, think about Warframe or other games that we want to Discussing. I've never felt cheated by any money I've actually put into the game because mm -hmm. it's always been for the purpose of, say, expanding your uh, your uh, 
<laughs> what do you call it? Your vault space regard with weapons, right? Um, yeah, war frames. That's, that's the main restriction is is how much how big your collection can get. So they let you they let you collect everything in the game, but that's how they that's how they try to entice you to give yourself more room to collect more. <laughs> sure, but these things are so worth collecting because every one of them does something completely different. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, but but I love this idea that you said about wanting to support mm -hmm. the free game because you feel like you're getting something out of it. And, and I feel the same way about, like I'm really into Pokemon Go. I've been playing that one for the last two years and it's a completely free to play game as well. You put it on your phone, you go out, you catch Pokemon, you have a great time. But there are, there are, are ways to upgrade your inventory space and there's mm. ways to upgrade your experience in that game as well. And I've pumped a bunch of money into that too because I oh, feel like I'm getting entertainment value out of this. Yeah. Right? Like I've spent, I've spent $80 on PlayStation 4 games that I haven't even played a fraction of the amount of time I've put into Pokemon Go. Yeah, it's true. Right? So it's, it's a value proposition, right? And, and, and so like with, with any of these free-to-play games, if you, if you have the opportunity to uh, you know, reflect on are you getting something out of it and is it worth me putting my dollars into it, Right. that's where these companies are monetizing. They're, they're making a lot of money. Like um, Obviously, Digital Extremes is making enough money off of Warframe that they're able to put on big conventions for the, the fans of the show or of the game and they're, they're able to put on they're able to continue to build content and, and put out this highly polished game uh, Pokemon the Pokemon company and yeah. and, uh, and Niantic are, are making huge profits off of this game this free game uh, because they've they've found a niche they found people that are into it mm -hmm. yeah I think that's that's sort of the interesting thing like if, if we look at the whole history of uh, and yeah I, I actually did start with shareware actually that that probably was the beginning of the story I should have started there before the uh, Ultima Online, you know, subscription services. Uh, how companies have reached out, um, because it used to be you made a game, you had to find a publisher to kind of do some marketing and to distribute, and people just bought units, right? Yeah. But the shareware story actually did change that because that was, that was a major a game changer because suddenly you could try a game and not pay anything. And that was like a, a totally new concept. And it is, I think, the, one of the main factors that made Doom um, such an important uh, game. Uh, Doom and uh, Wolfenstein. I was about to say Wolfenstein uh, yep. 3D. The original Wolfenstein 3D was the first one that popped into my head as a shareware title. Because you beat that first level and it pops up on the screen, you know, call this 1-800 number and, and we'll send you some floppy disks and we'll, we'll give you the rest I of the know. Game. Can you imagine it? it yeah, you, you have to mail a check to these guys and they would yeah, mail exactly. you disks. Like, <laughs> uh, and for all, you, all us listeners who are too young to know what a floppy disk is, it's, uh, it's what the save symbol on all your programs, that's what that's yeah. based off of. That little square with the rectangle in it, that's what a floppy disk was. And, and it, it, It's like an SD card, but way bigger and doesn't hold nearly as much. <laughs> yeah. What was its maximum size? A few megabytes? Yeah. Like 1.44 or something like that? Yeah, I think it was 1.44 for the actual floppies. No, no, maybe even the small, smaller ones. Mm -hmm. The little three, three point, uh, yeah, three plastic discs, right? Yeah, yeah. I liked it when they were actually floppy, which is when they yeah, were like yeah. five and a quarter, I think. I don't even know. It was like wow. the days of vinyl. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> uh, sorry, yeah. can, um, pause for a second. I just have to run and do something. If you want to keep talking, go ahead. I have a shoebox here. Okay. Uh, full of, full of floppy discs. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. <laughs> you actually have uh, floppies sitting around. That's that's incredible. 
the, these came from my my parents house my dad was clearing out his office yeah and he just gave them to me and I, I don't know what to do with them i got i got a copy of pga golf on here well i'd keep them i mean if you can find a drive that's actually the hard, yeah. hardest part now is finding a working drive exactly. so hawk we discovered that the countdown meter doesn't actually stop with the pause so but check out those discs holy <laughs> shit <laughs> he's got P- memorex yeah, pj what that was PGA Golf. I got uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers. What's <laughs> that here? Yeah, oh, see, that, that's it's a whole aspect of, of uh, computers that I missed out on in the 80s. And that we were so focused on consoles back then. Atari was the big thing we had to have. Yeah. Um, yep. Atari. Yep. Oh, I was wow. using those even like into like 99. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. They were very useful. I mean, they're durable. Yeah. You, you could, you could I in high school, I had to hand in my like, computer assignments on these things. Yep. Just put your name on the floppy disk and give it to the teacher. Yep. I remember when they we started to get advanced and uh for media programs we started using zip disks and man those were expensive cuz they had a they had 100 meg capacity, 100 megabytes. Can you imagine? I know. On a disk. <laughs> so, getting back to our conversation, um yeah, I mean Doom, uh Doom was another great shareware story because you could play the the first level. Uh, everyone played that to death and, uh, and the whole game fit on four floppy disks. So it was, it was a very, uh, I might have those four right here. Let me see. (laughs) (laughs) Keep looking. I want to see these. Um, but, uh, uh, but yeah, so after that, of course, uh, there was also, uh, another kind of business proposition, uh, called, uh, freemium, uh, and freemium games such as star Wars, the old Republic, and need Ooh, World, two tiers. do offer uh, the full version of the game, uh, but they have a lot of premium features that you can pay for. So it's a bit of a, you know, you can you can you can buy additional aspects uh, piecemeal. So it's a that was sort of pre free to play because they didn't want to like go all out, you know. Um, <clears throat> but uh, but it came about I think because of free to play as a way to take existing properties and, and offer them to the widest possible audience. Um, I did find an interesting statistic actually. Um, and of course I have misplaced it. Uh, so here it goes. Um, it's quite likely that a very, very small percentage of people who play free to play games actually fund them. Um, yeah. The, the, the suspicion is up to 50% of the revenue that supports games come from 0.15% of the population that plays. That makes well, sense, actually. We, uh, yes. When I was looking up uh, Fortnite statistics, I want to know how many players are actually online. And there's actually two different figures that go along with the, that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get uh, stream, they get like traffic of about 40 million people per month. Mm. Um, but only 3 million are what's known as concurrent users. I think that would be across like multiple uh, platforms you know mobile or console or gaming wow yeah it's, it's almost like when you when you go into like uh one of these apps or games and it says the best value is for 159 dollars and 99 cents for ten thousand coins and you're thinking who's spending like yeah, yeah. 200 bucks yeah. on coins but somebody is <laughs> you know somebody's putting that money in there well the term is uh they call them whales um they're these very few players so like you know even based off this this statistic uh that would be 15 people in 10,000 
uh, are called wow. white whales. And they're the ones who are actually spending, you know, hundreds to actually tens of thousands of dollars sometimes. That's, um, uh, that's actually amazing. an old uh, axiom from uh, Vegas days. They mm -hmm. always look for the whales and that mostly they get a lot of traffic from people putting it, you know, uh, using the, uh, what do you call it? The coin operated machines, the slot machines. Uh, but then there'd be the one whale that came out with a million dollars. Yeah. 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 No, it's, it's amazing. Um, uh, how much people are willing to pay when you, uh, kind of leave it wide open like that. Uh, I don't think uh, I don't think a lot of companies uh, imagine that such a thing you know could generate revenue the way that it does. So I think it is uh, it's definitely changed the entire landscape of game development. Definitely, sure. like we went through the whole controversy with EA and Battlefront too. Yes, yeah, exactly. So that actually leads to the uh, the main downsides uh, of these uh, types of arrangements in um, game development uh pay to win mechanics uh which is mm -hmm. very unpopular here but ironically is uh extremely popular in china so it puts game companies in a bit of a a bit of a conundrum because they have to make sure regionally that their game is acceptable to the local uh culture and uh, rules uh, china has some very extreme rules against gambling as well so when you make games over there, I don't know how the loot box systems work because I think that that is kind of pushing it. So I know that in Asia, I think in general, they have to reveal the odds. Uh, the odds have to be fully displayed at all times in order you know, for them to get, get that buy. Uh, but yeah, Chinese players, apparently they love buying advantages because they've got money to burn and it's, it's part of their, their new mentality. You know, Hey, if I can buy an advantage, I'm going to do it. Right. Whereas here we hate that. Right. Like we absolutely, I mean, that's what took down battlefront two. You know, the, even the hint that there was a possibility that you could buy a slight advantage. Um, and it completely ruined that game when that notion, you know, um, gotten, got onto the internet. Did well, you guys play Diablo at all? Diablo three? Yeah, I played the yes. console version. Yeah, uh, a lot of people love that game. I couldn't yeah. really get into it. I'm a huge uh, fan of that game, and I have been since the very beginning. But the first version of Diablo 3 to come out mm. is very different than what it looks like now. Yeah. And one of the things that it included was this real money auction house. Oh, yes. Find items in the game, and you could sell them in this auction house for real money or the other way around you could go into the auction house and you can pop your credit card in there and you could purchase some high-end gear and, <laughs> and and that was really really poorly uh received Execute. by the community and, and so when they came out with their sort of revamp of the whole game part of that was we're getting rid of this auction house completely because people yeah. just wouldn't accept that you could if you if you had enough money you could buy the best weapons in the game regardless of how much time you spent playing it amazing that's so i find that so weird of diablo that to have made that like you know the uh, to have access to like a complete inventory of like the greatest weapons in the game and that usually these are things that people you know strive to you know yeah well it, it was things that people themselves had to go out and get yeah. and then would turn around and, and sell it <sighs> on this market there was this whole economy it sounds like such a mess it's like, like gold farming. Remember gold farming? Oh, yeah, yeah. Actually, you know, it's kind of funny. This is a bit of a sidetrack, but going back to Ultima Online, um, you know, people, they make these games, but they don't really understand uh, human behavior. You know, a lot of these programmers don't necessarily know how the players are going to react. And, and in that game, uh, it was really funny because they had, um, they had 
they had a, a version of the world that outside of the cities was a free-for-all. So it was PvP. Uh, so once you ventured out of the safety of the NPC-controlled regions, uh, anyone could kill you. Yeah. So it was terrifying because it took us like about 30 minutes to even log into the game the first time. And so when we were finally in there, we were just like, just ride, ride. You know, we're just trying to get to, you know, trying to get to Britain as fast as possible. Right? So it was just so exciting because like everywhere you could see like bodies were like strewn on the hillside. It was, it was horrifying. Like, like you have to understand, right? Like the, the psycho, the psychology of that world was just so wrong. And then we finally got into the city and the game completely chunked up and froze. And what happened was we approached this one building and there were bodies uh, like two, two or three up like stacked high all around this one building. And there was all these people standing against the wall, just staring into the walls. So you have to picture this, right? Just yeah. Bodies all around this one building and a bunch of people facing the walls of the building. And because there was so much activity, the game stopped. And it wasn't until later when I could actually play the game that I understand what was happening. What was happening was people would kill other players outside of the city because it was so dangerous. There wasn't even enough time to loot the bodies. So they would just take the bodies with them, rush into the safety of the town. And then the building that they stopped at was the bank. So yeah. they, would, they would loot the body at their convenience, leave it, discard it right <laughs> next to the bank. <laughs> and you could access the bank without without actually walking into it. You could just do it from the walls. So you just like this horrifying scene, right? Like just this, this you know, as uh, <laughs> a slaughterhouse, except it was outdoors. And it was, that's how violent it was. And, and, and the reason, one of the reasons this was the case was not that because people are inherently, you know, evil. It was because the economy of the game wasn't set up properly. There was a, there was a very limited amount of NPC gold that was available. To, to the whole world and it would yeah. run out every day so you could only do so many quests before there just wasn't things to do so there was a constant shortage of uh <laughs> of funds so people just started attacking each other <laughs> the more i think about it it is it is psychologically oh, horrifying <laughs> in that like who what developer thinks of the idea of being able to take <laughs> another player's dead corpse along with them well, yeah. I don't think that was the intention, though. I think that was that. That's based off of the original game. You could do that. So it's, I guess it's a lesson sure. in human psychology. Yeah, yeah. But that's what but I. No. That's what I mean. You know, like you gotta you gotta hire sociologists and psychologists to make some of these yeah. <laughs> games. And I and that to me, I think is the reason that 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 Diablo thing failed. I don't think their intention was to create a whole uh, cottage industry within the game. I think that they, for some reason, thought that this was a good idea, and and yeah, it's awful. It's a really bad, you know, system to create like uh, a, a separate market. You know, when you've already paid for the game. Um, you gotta figure that these developers, even in the earliest stages of their studios, and that, all had a marketing consultant working with them on that. Maybe. On these yeah. ideas. They had corporate right, right, breathing down their necks the whole time. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, and that kind of brings us back to, you know, I'll, I'll do another little dig at, uh, at EA, you know, with, with Battlefront. I mean, they made that game, uh, and I mean, now it's totally different. So anyone who picks up the game now, they won't know what I'm talking about. But during beta, it became very apparent that they had this very convoluted system through which you needed cards, and you needed the cards to be at certain levels, and all of that contributed to your overall level, and your access to more cards. So it was just, it's very hard to explain. But the reason they created it was to promote 
people spending money so that they could buy loot boxes to get randomly better cards than the ones that they could get by playing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's it's a very long, you know, convoluted process. But anyway, when it was discovered in the beta, there was such an uproar that they had to remove the pay system and it ended up crippling the entire game because they did, they weren't able to adjust the actual mechanisms of the game to reflect not being able to put money into it. So it just became the, the most ridiculous leveling system ever. Um, and it took them a, a half a year to, to fix it. Um, and, and that's the thing. Like, why didn't anybody at the beginning of this process say, uh, you know, maybe this is going to create a, a pay-to-win uh, controversy? But that's EA. I mean, they, they really love their loot boxes. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, the, it's entirely different from the concept of being able to buy the best sword in the game and that. Because you know what exactly what you're buying. Yeah. Uh, the loot crate system was based on the whole RNG thing and that. So basically you had a chance at a higher card or a, you know, more material or whatever and that. But there was never any guarantee, no matter how much money you put into it and that. So it was basically like a, a slot machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think these these are, yeah, the pay to win mechanic and the slot machine elements are definitely the, uh, the shadow uh, that uh, uh, is always lingering when we talk about free to play. Uh, a couple other things too, um, but since we're you know geeks with kids uh, podcast, uh, is the uh, impact of uh, purchases by children and the possibility mm. of purchases by children. Of course, we've all heard the horror stories of uh, of kids somehow getting uh, credit card access and then oh, yeah. uh, spending <clears throat> thousands of dollars, you know, buying soccer players and other ridiculousness. Uh, and so I, I'm I'm curious, uh, uh, Shouse, like um, when you decide to introduce some of these games to your kids in the future. Um, what are the parameters and what are the, like, like I, I presume you're going to have to play the game yourself to find out, you know? Well, the, there are actually two of them that, that my kids enjoy playing a lot right, right now. now. They're, they're, they're free. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them is uh, minion minion rush. Okay. And it's the minions from the minions the, oh, the okay. movies. Sure. And it's a, it's a free runner. You're just running. But every time you die, an ad pops up on the screen <laughs> and you have to wait, I think like 10 seconds, there's a little timer, 10 seconds before you play again. That's brilliant. And so the ad pops up and, and you know, my son has asked me before, he's like, Oh, can we, can we buy this? Oh, wow. Really? And I said, no, we can't buy this. Just, you have to wait until this goes away and then you can try again. <laughs> right. But he, I mean, he doesn't know he's a kid. He's, he's innocent of the whole thing. And, right. and this is where some of this is being pointed, right? They're, they're yeah. thinking they're going to give you a free game and we're, we're going to gear it toward kids. Yeah. And we hope that, that they convince their parents, maybe some parent that isn't paying close attention. Right. You know, like, Hey, you know, mom, dad, can I, can I buy this? Yeah, sure. Here's a few bucks. Go buy whatever you want. Right. Uh. And then it turns into the thing. So, so minion rush was one of them. And then, um, both my kids really like this uh, Subway Surfers game, which is similar to that. Okay. And but but that one is more, you know, you can buy shoes, you can buy power ups, you can buy uh, different cosmetic upgrades to these characters, and they all do the same thing. They're all just running and collecting coins and stuff. But they try to make it look really cool so that the kids, I guess, try to convince their parents, "Oh, I, I want to get this character because it looks really cool." <laughs> yeah, I've seen this. And I mean, we're guilty of that too because we want to get the Warframe because it looks really cool. Yeah, 
I've seen this kind of behavior in uh, my friends' children's and that. Uh, I know this one woman I know has two uh, young girls and that. Uh, I don't quite remember what online game they're playing, but uh, it's not always as nefarious as like getting hold of your mom's credit card and that. Uh, these girls actually put their pocket money into purchasing gift cards and that so that they can uh, you know, go online yeah. in the game and purchase right. that, the things they want. And it's a it's such a weird transference because basically we did the exact same thing with Transformers and G.I. Joe's when we were kids. Yeah. That's where all our pocket money went into and that. And uh, now these, you know, kids are putting like their toys online. They cannot, yeah. you know, there's no physical representation, but hey, it's always there. And it's going into Fortnite, right? Yeah. That's why that game is so is making so much money right now. It's making huge profits yeah. because kids are buying gift cards and they're and they're buying clothing upgrades in Fortnite. And they yeah. want to be cooler than their friend that's got a, you know, a really cool upgrade. And yeah, yeah but, that that, but, that game is making a fortune. Yeah, but this is what bothers me though, because like, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm old fashioned, but you know, I, I prefer, you know, to have something you know physical after the fact. And and, and like all these uh, cosmetic upgrades, I mean, that's the thing. Like, as adults, we know that we're buying it for our enjoyment for the period of time we're going to play the game, and we know the game's not going to be forever, right? Yeah. But the amount of money some of these kids must be spending on games that are going to be gone, you know, in four or five years, you know, and they'll be moving on to something else. Yeah. Uh, and, and the inanity, you know, of buying like a hat or shoes or something, you know, like, like it's, it's very different. I think when a kid spends money to enjoy their character, yeah. Uh, than it is for adults. Um, That's pure profit we, for these companies, right? Like really they don't actually profit. have to physically make something and ship yeah. it out to you. Yeah. They just take your money and they press a button and you've got a hat in the game. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I guess, I guess what, Team Fortress 2 started this? Like I couldn't even believe, like for years and years, people were playing that. And that was another game that was part of this whole evolution, you know, of monetization. Um, it was all about hats. I, I, I never understood it. I just knew it was really huge. Yeah. But they were just selling hats all the time and Steam became valve i mean valve became steam because of because of hats oh yeah i i i don't know the exact story but i i strongly suspect that, that there is a there is a correlation between team fortress and the existence of steam wasn't horse armor a big a big deal was that oblivion oh, horse armor yeah i think that was like one of the elder scrolls games and that's that was a whole pre-order fiasco thing where i, I don't remember exactly how it went <laughs> yeah it's amazing yeah, it's a weird time because I think um, everybody is trying to find that sweet spot. Um, I think EA has discovered that they actually can go too far uh, because uh, they are currently under investigation in Belgium and I believe Finland because those countries uh, kind of caught wind of this whole battlefield thing that I was talking about earlier and uh, passed some legislation and started investigating uh, what constitutes gambling because, of course, the rules and legal definition of gambling um, everywhere in the world uh, is very old. It doesn't incorporate electronic gambling, right? So they decided to revise all because of EA, so you can thank them for this. And, uh, and then they actually said you can't have uh, loot boxes. Uh, not, there's a very specific you know, way that they, they said it, but in Belgium, they actually, actually said you can't do this. And uh, EA flagrantly um, didn't do anything about it. Even Blizzard has removed uh, loot boxes in Overwatch in some of those countries. So EA just went, eh, whatever, and now they're being taken to court. So I don't know what's going to happen with that, but there is a sweet spot. EA has now missed it. <laughs> Whereas Warframe, 
I mean, uh, not to come back to Warframe, but I, I did want to mention like that is definitely one of the most fair uh, games that I've come across because I, 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 I did eventually start playing another uh, free-to-play game called uh, Marvel Strike Force. It's an app game. And, uh, oh, it's, it's punishing, guys. Like I, mm. like, I enjoy it because it's got the really... The art direction is so cute. The characters, they fight and everything. They, 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 it's adorable, right? <laughs> yeah. But the amount of currencies in the game, like they just throw... Like, oh, yeah, you got you to have your diamonds. You got to have your yeah. coins. You got to have your emeralds. You gotta- <laughs> so many resources. And there's like three or four different aspects of the character that has to be leveled up. Like it's not just leveling of the character. You got to level up all these parts of the character, you know? And uh, they just, they, they make you go through so many hoops. At, so initially, you can do a lot. Like they give you a lot to do because it's easy. But then now I'm at a point where like every day I'm just hitting a wall, you know, and it's, it, it's a little bit too much, you know? So I don't know. I don't know what the, the science is, you know, for how much do you charge versus how much do you, in, do you block, you know, and how much do you try to entice, you know, it's, it's, it's a really weird sort of math, you know, but, yeah. uh, but Warframe, I feel like it's the most, most satisfactory game for the, zero amount of money and um you know i I think as we've all said uh, we actually want to give them money at this point because they they've put in uh so much work and it shows and and i think one other thing i should mention about that too is the game is five years old so we kind of came in at the end of it so (laughs) we have the benefit of enjoying you know their risky pop proposition i'm sure those first three years was pretty scary for them it's Um, done now they pulled it out of the oven and it's cooked it's ready ready to go Yeah. yeah there's enough now that it, it, it's it's worthwhile but i'm sure like that first those first two years are pretty probably pretty bad it was like diablo 3 bad you know yeah like, well i mean they didn't have anything like that in terms of like you know a, a, a separate you know free market or anything but i'm sure there were there were a lot of issues you know at the beginning um so yeah so anyway i've been talking a lot uh are there other free-to-play games that uh, you guys wanted to uh to talk about or mention like I said, Warframe is pretty much my biggest introduction into the world, and that's uh, beyond the mobile gaming aspect of it. Um, uh, going back to the whole loot boxes thing, and that you know, I think it was you know we were debating whether or not this does constitute. I gotta say, you know, it's like with Warframe, you always exact, you always know what you're buying, yes. and it never feel you never feel like you've been kind of swindled out of it. So. Actually, there's a funny story related to that. Uh, I don't know the exact details because this is before when we were playing, but apparently they did actually put in some kind of mechanism that was like a, I don't want to say it's a slot machine because that's, that's not how it operated, mm-hmm. but it was something that you could pay for a poll basically. And every poll would give you an opportunity to uh, either revise something or uh, get an opportunity to get a, a different version of something. And, uh, they were horrified because they got the data, of course, that there was like one player who had spent like thousands of dollars, like in a very short period of time. And the company didn't actually want it to be like that. So they actually pulled it from the game. So they did it once and then they didn't like the data that was coming in because they were whales and there were some people who were addicted to it. You know, most people were like, ah, I'm not going to, not going to spend that money, you know, but some people went nuts and they, they just felt, uh, you know, that's not what we want the game to be. So, so they had it one time and then it, it's gone. So I, I don't know what happened. I also know that they're very fair too. Whenever they make a mistake, they usually don't refund the money, but they refund what you spent uh, the in-game currency on if there's been a screw up. So you will get refunds within the game universe uh, when they've made a, a grievous error 
in terms of like, let's say they upgraded something and it was too powerful, right? And then you already spent, you know, whatever the in-game currency was, then they take it away. You get the in-game currency back at least. So they're, they're extremely mindful, you know, of, of their community and, uh, and how the, the economy works. Right. Anyway, there was one concept that I was, I was thinking about while we were talking and it's this idea of a game going free to play. Oh yes. Like where a game, I'm thinking like something like star Wars, the old Republic, uh, something like uh, star Trek online, like game world of Warcraft games that started where you had to buy the box for 60 bucks, 70 bucks. And then you started pumping money into it on a monthly basis. But after a while, the game would start to, I don't know if it would fizzle a little bit in terms of the popularity and then it would go free to play. It would become free for everyone to hop in. Right. And almost like that, that was almost synonymous with, with, you know, is that game done? Is it, is it a failure now that it's free to play? But those games are still out there and they're still, the servers are up and I'm sure they're still making money, right? Star Trek online is still putting yes. out new seasons. They're getting uh, voice actors from the show to come in and, and record. So they're obviously making money. Uh, World of Warcraft is still big. Um, and, and so th- this idea that, you know, that a game, would eventually have to become a free-to-play game might just be the next evolution mm-hmm. in, in that that game sort of especially in a subscription or a long-term game sort of in its in its lifespan yeah, yeah that, it, an independent property and that eventually kind of reaches the end of its fiscal cycle and then becomes what public domain yeah in a, in a weird yeah controlled yeah. fashion i mean in fact i think uh yeah, good old ea ea has actually in their uh stock meetings suggested you know who's not sponsoring this episode eh? <laughs> that they wanted to develop a, a games a service model now what that actually means and how that will be implemented who knows but uh it feels like a step backwards you know because what we're talking about is how the subscription model eventually failed uh or has we've evolved out of it and now those games have all become you know, freemium, you know, uh, as you said, they've all converted over. Um, and, um, I, I, I do think that that is probably going to be the standard, but we'll see because a lot of companies are still trying to figure out, you know, how to, you know, how to work things and and the games of service. I don't really know what that means, but I, I know it's, it's a big concept with a lot of, uh, big companies right now. Um, so, uh, it, cause yeah, I mean, DLC is not popular anymore. Season passes are not popular anymore. Uh, so all they have left are microtransactions, loot boxes in some fashion, and now this this new concept of, I guess, maybe a return to subscriptions in, in some weird fashion. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's cool. Um, yeah, I, I do think uh, The Old Republic is a, is a perfect example of trying to change with the times. And, and I bought that game when it came out, so I actually paid the full price, and, and I was a subscriber. Mm-hmm. So if I was to hop back into the free-to-play version of that game, I would have a specific tag attached to my account. Right. Like a founder, yeah, founder or something like that, so that I would have some kind of bonus for having purchased the game in the first place. Well, that's interesting. Whereas somebody coming in later uh, would not have that, but they'd still be able to play. Yeah, yeah. You have that prestige. You know, mm-hmm. which is, it's just nice. Um. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, are there any other games that we wanted to talk about? Uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's hard to pick. I, I feel like those were like kind of the big ones. Like I've I've always been big into mobile mobile games. I was I played a lot of The Simpsons Tapped Out, which was uh, oh yes, a city builder. Yes, and and it had a free to play component to it as well. Like you could you could pay money to buy characters to to live in your city or buildings and things. And I think I may have put a few bucks into that game. Mm. Uh, but I, I think the the true success of a free to play game is one where you could 
play the game, enjoy it, and even access things if you put enough time and effort into it, like without feeling like you're stuck. And so for a game like The Simpsons, I felt that way. I felt like I could just play. I didn't feel like I, I needed to pay. Right. Um, Pokemon Go is, like I mentioned before, it's one of those games where if you play enough, you can actually earn in-game currency without having to buy it. Right. Um, and, and And so... I think those are the most successful forms of the free-to-play. Well, they kind of speak to the idea of the chase and that being better than the actual, you know, acquirement of any object and yeah. that. Um, Destiny's done pretty well on that with that concept so far, and it's mm-hmm. kind of chasing, like, exotic and legendary loot rifles and guns and pieces of armor that are very specific to a quest line. You know, uh, yeah. it employs a lot of grinding. Um, but... Yeah, that concept, the the actual chase after these things and that, I think is, you know, the one addictive quality in that people, you know, like these games actually share. It's actually more fun to be doing that stuff. Like if you had the best stuff in a game like Destiny, right it's from day to, one. It's going to get old very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually, there's no work involved in getting it by just, you know, popping in a credit card. Thankfully, Destiny has kind of kept everything as far as the microtransactions uh, exclusive to cosmetics. There's no actual advantage to buying anything that you can purchase with real money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I uh, I feel like uh, Destiny actually was one of the ones who suffered the most under the weight of uh, this balancing act between um, still sticking with the old uh, unit purchase model and DLC expansion model while trying to still provide enough content to keep people uh, satisfied. Uh, because I think... I think with freemium games, obviously with all games, uh, the more content, the better, right? I mean, the, the, it's just a better proposition. But I think, um, I think Destiny in particular, I think suffered from not quite being able to put out enough content to fulfill expectations, and that really hurt them. And uh, plus, whatever else was going on, I don't know the whole story now. But I mean, now apparently, it's it's all good. So, sure, uh, good for them. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, actually, uh, I was going to say, I'm just uh, looking up other free games that are on uh, PlayStation. Um, I've mentioned this to you guys uh, outside of the podcast, but um, sort of fits what we're talking about, uh, this, this game, uh, Space Lords, that I just really started to get into. Um, I'd actually played the earlier iteration of this one, and it was kind of free to play initially, but the way it worked was um, originally it was called Raiders of the Broken Planet, which right away is not a good title <laughs> and uh they had this thing where you could play it and then you could buy additional campaigns but they were extremely convoluted in how what free aspects you could play like they had this rotating list of missions that would become free but you could never just play straight through so like Anyway, this whole relaunch of it as Space Lords has completely fixed the game because I remember playing it and I just like I had no idea what was going on. It was just too complicated. Like I did not want to figure out how to play it for free, and they just made it too aggravating. So now, uh, yeah, now all the campaigns are free and uh, all future campaigns are going to be free. So we'll see what happens because it's it's kind of a similar situation with Warframe. It's by a company uh, from Spain called uh, Mercury uh, Steam. Mm-hmm. and uh, they've made video games before, just like uh, DE, and this is their personal baby. And, um, you know, we'll see uh, if, uh, you know, this this new plat- this new way of presenting the game actually uh, pays off for them. All right. Well, I think we've uh, kind of covered it. <laughs> I, I kind of want to go play some of these games now. Yeah, I know, I know. Get into, uh, Star Trek Online and see what's going on in that world. 
Yeah, well, there's a couple other ones too. Like, so there's the DC Universe, uh, which is uh, really janky looking as well. Um, okay. And uh, another one called, what was it? The Dungeons and Dragons one, Neverwinter. That one I also recommend. I've played Ooh, those okay. three and they have some similarities. Dungeons and Dragons, though, at least is a little more modern, whereas the other two are probably from 20. 2006 or five or something and okay shows <laughs> so yeah the menus are wow um yeah <laughs> so i'm putting it out to the audience uh what free-to-play games do you guys enjoy and uh what are your favorites uh send us an email at podcast at geekswithkids.ca or you can follow us on twitter at geeks with kids cn or like us on facebook at facebook.com slash geeks with kids podcast we also have an instagram uh instagram slash geeks with kids uh as always you can find all of our episodes at libsim.geekswithkids.com or on your favorite podcasting service and if you like what you hear please leave us a review on itunes so thank you uh gentlemen and uh yeah i wish you everybody good night. thank you for having us all right all right good night everybody good night Or I suppose good morning. It depends on when people are listening. Yeah, we're going to leave that in.